Hello and welcome to Is This Anime? I'm your quote-unquote anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And joining us is a brand new guest. Uh, shit, how do you pronounce your last name, Patrick? That's a great question. It's, uh, it's Kotner. If you just say it the laziest way possible, uh, that's how I always tell people to do it. All right, Patrick Kotner. Uh, yeah, we have literally just met. This is a brand new guest. Uh, Patrick's been super uh, cool to come on. Yeah, Patrick, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. I'm a, uh, I'm a, a comedy producer. Um, I run the George Lucas talk show. I, uh, I I book a bunch of shows. I used to book a bunch in New York. I just moved to L.A. So I'm running some comedy shows out here. And uh, yeah, I've worked on a bunch of cool stuff that uh, you may or may not have seen. I think that's the best way to put it. Awesome, man. And most importantly, what is your anime experience? Ooh, you know, there's a little bit. It's not a ton. I've let's see here. We'll go through. We'll go through what I've seen. Uh, Akira was the last movie I saw in a movie theater before COVID. It was like March 9th. Uh, and I was like, this is probably a mistake, but I'm going to go to the movies anyways. Um, I've seen I saw Avatar. Uh, I watched all of Avatar the last uh, last year or so. Um, and I've seen a couple um uh, Ghibli movies. I've seen Howl's Moving Castle. I've seen Spirited Away. I've seen Porco Rosso and maybe and Kiki, uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. But I think that oh, and, and then uh, Star Wars Visions, which came out during the pandemic. That was anime. That's about That's it, I think. Yeah, That's dope, yeah. yeah, we've actually covered a couple of those. Uh, we've covered Porco Rosso. We've covered Akira mm -hmm. and we've done Star Wars Visions. That's funny because I was going to ask, have you watched Akira? Because let's just get right into it. The movie we are covering is Memories. This is a short yeah. film anthology from Katsuhiro Otomo. And Katsuhiro Otomo is best known as the man behind Akira. So that was always <laughs> going to be my first question. Uh, what do you think then, of Akira? Yeah, I remember liking it. Uh, that month is such a blur at this point <laughs> that I feel like I don't remember too much of it. Because it, you know, came at such a weird time uh, for everyone. But I remember having a really good time in the theater watching it. And I remember it playing really, really fucking well uh, with the crowd. Yeah, that's awesome. I saw Akira in theaters when we did. I had seen it before as like a kid, which is a terrible fucking way to see that movie. Yeah. Um, but then I saw it again in theaters. And I actually saw it in theaters during uh, COVID. Back when it looked like the movie theaters were going to come back. I went to sure. one and it was just like sure, sure. me and my co-host just like. In an empty theater, uh, watching yeah. Akira. Yeah, so, I mean that's kind of a that's a great way to do it though. When when those theaters were empty, it was beautiful. It was the perfect time to go to the movies. I loved it so much. Absolutely. So yeah, Katsuhiro Otomo. He's best known for Akira. He's got a pretty light resume. He I want to say he's coasted on on his greatness, <laughs> but he's clearly uh -huh. he's clearly a man who is just happy to work when he wants to, and I, I respect that. Yeah. yeah, good for him. Good for him. I mean, look, people love the stuff he does. And if you can just coast off of that without making stuff that people dislike, like, I always say go for that. You know, I'd rather that than him make 20 years of garbage after, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't done like Acura 2 or something like that. Yeah, exactly. There's still time. There's plenty of time. There's still I saw on his Wikipedia that he was like, uh, quote unquote, involved in the live action Acura reboot that they constantly threaten sure. us with. Yeah, I, I, my gut says that movie's not going to happen, but uh, who knows? I'll believe it when it's in theaters. I, I was excited to see Taika, Taika Waititi do it when he was attached to it uh, briefly. Yeah. And then uh, then he did yeah. Thor Love and Thunder. And I was like, oh, sweet. Uh, I'm down for more <laughs> Thor. And then I saw Thor Love and Thunder. I'm like, oh, no, what did I what did I wish upon myself? 
I still like Taika. I've, I've just been watching What We Do in the Shadows. That's fantastic. Yeah, of course, it's uh, yeah. one of the best. But yeah, that was that was funny that he he's bounced from Akira to Thor, and you know, hopefully, hopefully, better yeah. days ahead. Um, some people, yeah. some people like taking on like thirty projects, and then you know, twenty five of those projects don't see the light of day. And I feel like that's uh, the case with him right now. I feel like he signed up to do everything, and uh, I don't think most of them will happen. Yeah, I don't think that Star Wars movie is happening. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. Maybe you got the inside scoop. Who knows? Um, what was I saying? No, Jordan Peele, he was also attached. I don't even know how attached he was. Maybe his name was just floated around. But it's funny because yeah. I saw Nope. And Nope, I was like, you know, just straight up has the, the famous Acura slide shot in that movie. I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it seems like, I feel like he likes anime. I feel like I've heard him talk about how much he likes anime. So it would not be surprising if he maybe went back to that. Who knows? Who knows? I'm, I'm happy with filmmakers who are inspired by this stuff, but also yeah. just like, hey, that's a cool idea. You know, I've, I've seen these For classic sure. films. Um, you know, we've, we've talked on this podcast about how Darren Aronofsky has uh, ripped off a couple classics. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, uh, go see Perfect Blue if you want to see an even better version of Black Swan. Oh, interesting. Uh, I don't know Perfect yeah, Blue. Perfect Blue is fantastic. We're actually going to get to talk about it in a moment. But yeah, Memories, this is an anthology film. It's three shorts, two of which are around 40 minutes in length. The other one's about 20 minutes. I don't have the, the highest praise for that third short. I don't know about you. So I think we're primarily going to focus on, on the two bigger ones. I think that's probably the best way to go about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, Katsuhiro Otomo, fa- famed uh, creator. So basically, after Akira comes out, he had a fair amount of pull. And he had, as a manga artist, he had done a bunch of short stories, um, including a collection called Memories. And so one of these shorts, the first short is directly, well, not quite. It's, it's, it's somewhat adapted from one of his short stories. And then the other two are original and then I actually just read the Memories Collection just for research. And I kind of wish he adapted one short story, which was uh, it's a it's a history of the planet Taco, which is about um, these tiny squid people. And uh, cool. some of the some of the squids have uh, round heads and some of them have triangle heads. And it goes into their history of like their war. <laughs> and it's very funny. Great. I love that. I love that. And it's, would, only like, yeah. it's only like 40 pages, too. Amazing. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen that. Absolutely. Uh, let's get right into. I know we're already like. I would have preferred to see that over some of the other stuff. <laughs> let's get into Magnetic Rose. Magnetic Rose is the first short. Uh, it was not directed by Otomo. Otomo only uh, directed the final short. He oversaw the production of the other two, but he only directed the last one, which is called Cannon Fodder. And our favorite one. Our, our clearly our favorite one. I know. Well, he got mm-hmm. to oversee it at least. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So the screenplay of Magnetic Rose is actually done by Satoshi Kone, who was the writer and director of Perfect Blue. For those just joining in, Satoshi Kone, one of the one of the great anime film. I, actually, I, I shouldn't even say anime. One of the great filmmakers of our time. Unfortunately, only made uh, four films before passing away of cancer. Had a very uh, yeah. He died in like his mid forties. Yeah, I don't know. Have you heard of the film Paprika? I know that was another film that people mentioned when Inception came out. I don't know. I don't know if I've heard that one. Okay, interesting. Yeah, Paprika is another... uh, It's a film about, like, people going into each other's dreams, and there's even some shots that Inception lifts a bit liberally from. 
Yeah, Darren Aronofsky is is much more notorious a, th- yeah. a person who is inspired by Cohn's ideas because Black Swan is is very similar to Perfect Blue. Perfect Blue is about a Japanese idol who embarks upon a career change and then starts to get delusions and she doesn't know what is real or what isn't. And actually Aronofsky even included shots from Perfect Blue into the movie Requiem for a Dream. Oh, this interesting. Is not- I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I feel like I remember that. Okay, sure. It, it's something people talk about. Um, sure. And even, I even found an interview with uh, Satoshi Kon back when he was alive where he kind of complained that Aronofsky uh, <laughs> was, was happy to say he was a fan of his work, but also wasn't helping him get financing. And he was kind of mad sure. that, you know, you know, he's a struggling filmmaker trying to get financing while this other guy is, you know, getting nominated for Oscars, big Hollywood guy. Yeah. Yeah, you you could definitely see that. that kind of resentment. I I was just here to you know give the people the Satoshi Kon retrospective yet again. We we've covered all four of his films earlier on the podcast, but I always got to give a shout out to him. But yeah, he wrote the That's screenplay. I, lo- I love hearing all of it. Absolutely, man. But yeah, the director of this is Koji Morimoto. He he actually worked on the Animatrix. Yeah, uh, Key Animation oh. and Kiki's Delivery Service. Uh, also a co-founder co-founder of Studio Four Degrees. Big guy as well. But yeah, what what did we think of Magnetic Rose as the opener? I liked it. Uh, I don't remember. Was it Magnetic Rose or Stink Bomb? One of them had uh, sound effects from Alien in it. It was like the computer sound effect. It was the same thing as the original Alien. I didn't I notice that. It was. But I think yeah, it would have I been Magnetic I think it was. I think it was Magnetic Rose. But it was, uh, I really liked the vibe. It did feel sort of like a Alien I don't want to, you know, production design a little bit. Like, the, the ship looked very similar and stuff like that. Uh, but I that was definitely my favorite one. Uh, I did also notice uh, the the opera singer's fiancé's name is Carlo Rambaldi, who is a special effects guy who, like, helped out with E.T. and stuff like that. But oh. I just thought that was a very weird uh, name drop to put in there. I don't know if it's... I have to assume it's like named after him but i don't know it's just so strange that's a pretty specific name i feel that must be intentional but that's funny i think so too uh, yeah oh wait so and read, he worked on alien he worked on alien too that's so given weird. the vibes of given the vibes of this movie that must be insanely intentional yeah 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 absolutely that's, a, that's so awesome funny. man again i didn't pick up on that at all um so yeah, yeah magnetic rose the year is 2092 we open on a satellite in space being scavenged by some workers the satellite is then destroyed by a colorful explosion. And uh, now we get the interestingly named uh, vessel known as the Corona, which will not be the first uh, COVID reference I picked up on uh, in this collection. I was like, man, this, this is double, double COVID references unintentionally. Yeah, so they're a deep space salvage uh, freighter. Uh, we've got, a. I didn't actually pick up on the, the name of the, uh, the captain, but he's like kind of a Russian guy, at least in the dub. And then we have yeah. this this one dude named Aoshima. And then we have uh, kind of the all-American dude, Heinz. And then the, the horn dog, Miguel. <laughs> yes. yes. Fucking Miguel, man. Uh, I believe the, the captain's name is Ivanov. Okay. I think that's his name. Looking at the cast list right now, I think that makes the most sense. Fantastic, man. Yeah, again, so, so you know, a lot of times with this podcast, I'll pick things I've already watched. And this one, I was like, Fuck it. It's it's a short film collection produced by the guy who made Akira. I'm going to go in blind. Yeah. I didn't know anything going into Magnetic Rose. The Cone connections, when you have Satoshi Cone, a, a filmmaker 
who's kind of known for his reality bending stuff. Mm-hmm. That's always going to be in the back of your mind where it's like, okay, where's the twist? We do get that stuff. So basically there's an SOS that comes from this huge structure, this huge structure that's like the size of an asteroid. Miguel and Hines get to be the fortunate souls to investigate. I already thought Miguel was done for when he gets out of his uh, gravity suit or whatever, because it looked like, you know, he's not used to it. He wasn't taking his calcium or assumption. I'm like, oh my God, we're we already getting our first kill. Uh-huh. It feels like it's never the smart move to take off the gravity suit. You know what I mean? N- no, no, not at all. And then yeah. we they go into the structure and they find this hallway that's just straight out of Beauty and the Beast. I thought that was cool as hell. I think, you know, Beauty and the Beast came out of what, like 91 or something? Somewhere around there, yeah. And what was Somewhere this? around this was there. 95, yeah. yeah. This comes out 95, so I think there is some inspiration. I know the, the manga also has this kind of, but certainly the way they designed it. I was like, okay, this is Beauty and the Beast vibes. Yeah. And yeah. we see a portrait of a woman in red that's adorning the dining hall. And then... Again, the, this wonderful spaceship, who knows what mysteries could be hiding in the spaceship because despite being a spaceship, there is a field and there is a woman out in that field and Miguel being the horn dog just runs up to this woman and it turns out this whole <laughs> thing is a hologram. Classic, exactly. And then a naked child robot tells them to follow it. And of course, when a naked... Also, naked, also classic. When a naked child robot tells you to follow it, of course you fucking follow it. You gotta. <laughs> you got it. It's not going to end in tragedy whatsoever. Miguel, uh, who is the king of good decisions, he, he finds some wine at the table, polishes it off. Heinz uh, is like, seriously, man, aren't you going to like investigate this stuff? We don't know if this could be contaminated or whatever. And Heinz is like, you know, playing with the taps. He sees some sludge. And then we hear Miguel, who, you know, just starts choking because, yeah, the, this wine is like garbage water. And uh, during Hines' investigation, he discovers the woman in red is an opera singer, and this place is a monument to her past glory. Meanwhile, Miguel, he sees ghostly apparitions of this woman and freaks the fuck out. As he should. Uh, He should, because, yeah, when you see, like, when you see ghostly flickering apparitions, that's pretty fucking spooky, even if you are, like, an Ashra in space. But, again, we don't know if this shit's, like, normal for them. Uh, so Heinz, he finds a letter that says to my dearest Ava from yours, Carlo, June 15th, 2005, this being the year, uh, 2092. That's obviously a very long time ago. More mystery to this. Miguel and Heinz, they explore a more weathered part of the station. Aoshima informs them that Eva was a duchess and known as the diva of the century. And she fell in love with another opera singer named Carlo Rambaldi, as you, Patrick, just said. Ava unfortunately lost her voice and had to pantomime her performances, which caused the public to turn against her. So that was, I'm thinking of like Ashley Simpson back on SNL, like <laughs> over uh-huh. like a decade ago. How dare she? Doing a, doing her little jig. You think uh, yeah. Eva did the little jig after she uh, couldn't sing anymore? Yeah, I, I would suspect her movements were at least better. I don't know. Is yeah. yeah, you go to the opera, you do expect them to sing. It's not just supposed to be pantomime. It's true. <laughs> Uh, oh my god, fucking, fucking Miguel. I got a bad Miguel quote coming up. We learned that Carlo was murdered the day before the wedding, but no one identified his killer. And then Miguel says, damaged goods, my kind of woman. Oh no. Miguel, come on, buddy. Bad Miguel. Come on. Yeah, bad Miguel's Miguel. Not, not the guy. You like Heinz Hi- and Ivanov. Yeah, Hi- Heinz, again, is like your all-American dude. Uh, yeah. Miguel, again, good decision, Miguel. He finds a piano and the entire area transforms into a beautiful balcony on the field, or beautiful patio. 
That was autocorrect. Ava calls Miguel Carlo and then she kisses him. Miguel, again, the fucking horn dog, he knows these are like ghostly apparitions. I, I guess how long have they been in space for? They, they must be in space for a long time because Miguel is just... I was going to say, it doesn't feel like you see apparitions immediately after getting into space. You know what I mean? You got to be there a little bit before they start showing up, I'd imagine. And not that I know. Madison. I have no idea. You have not been to space, Patrick? I'm shocked. I've not been to space, but I mean, at least for any long period of time, you know? Uh, but yeah, oh my no, God. It's, been, it's been a minute. Uh, meanwhile, Heinz finds himself on an opera stage and he sees Ava and she stabs him. And then Heinz has uh, a memory of giving his daughter a spacesuit. Uh, his daughter is so happy to have the spacesuit. And then the, the uh, scenery switches to him with his wife and daughter at the dining table. And, you know, she's like, oh, it would be so nice if Papa was around more. And poor fucking Heinz. So Heinz's backstory, as we learn, is when his daughter put on the spade suit. I guess he was like, you know, doing some work on his roof and she ended up falling to her death, which that's on the, uh, the 10 year old girl for daring to, yeah. to get up on a roof. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. You know? Um, yeah. So Heinz's memory begins to warp and he sees Ava who tells him she wants him to stay here. And then Heinz sees the actual reality, which is like these disgusting white uh, constructs. Yeah, and then he just starts shooting aimlessly as the, the robot cherubs begin to attack him. And then meanwhile, Miguel is declaring his love for Ava, which seems like a bad idea. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> I'm not standing up for Miguel on anything here. I'm going to let him do his own thing. I'm not uh, saying anything he has done is a good idea. Yeah, I feel ironically, I mean, do we know Miguel's fate by the end of it? It's kind of unclear, but he isn't like, we don't fully see him die. So maybe he does get to just... Well, actually, no, I think he is. He, he probably is going to die of starvation at the very least. I feel like he has to, right? He has to. He can't just, yeah. You, you can't just. Spoilers, no spoilers. There's nothing else besides just sludge to, to drink there and, and no food. Yeah. So also, meanwhile, the Corona gets sucked into um, the spaceship as well. And then we learn that all of this is just in her memories. And who is it? Uh, Ava declares that Carlo will live on forever here in my memories and she says, I prefer to make my Carlo eternal, which she's referring to Miguel, of course. And then mm-hmm. plot twist yet again. Ava is the one who killed Carlo because she wanted him to be hers. Yep. If only she killed Miguel. <laughs> if only she killed Miguel. I mean, also, like, isn't like Heinz good husband material, too? And, and listen, Heinz, spoiler alert, still out there. He is still out there. Yeah. So um, Heinz and Ava have this conflict. He- Car- uh, Ava seemingly resurrects his daughter and then she kills the daughter just to make it even worse for Heinz. Heinz breaks down. Heinz shoots at Ava, revealing her to be an android. And yes, the short ends with us seeing the real Ava, who is a decomposed corpse. And Miguel gets to talk to her in her memories while Heinz drifts in space. Patrick, this is the first short you've watched. How did this compare to any of, I guess you've seen Akira before, but the other things you cited weren't really uh, sci-fi. Yeah, I'm, well, Star Wars. There's the Star Wars visions, too. I guess so, but that's uh, Star Wars, so that's something you can latch on to. For sure, for sure. Um, no, I, I like this one. I mean, I think this one... I think this one was my favorite of the three. I did like the second one, but I liked I liked the design of this one, and I liked the, you know, the general vibe of it. It was definitely... I mean, look, it's it's better than the third one. <laughs> better than you the... Know? Like, Again, we'll get into it. I don't have issues with the third one per se. Yeah, it just it feels like kind of a a whimper to end it on, you know? 
I was waiting for the shoe to drop on the third one. I was like, okay, is there going to be sure. more of this? And I uh, sort of I, feel like. I feel like if Sync Bomb was three and Cannon Fodder was two, maybe it would be better, but I don't know. But yeah, Magnetic Rose is an interesting one. Again, yeah. I didn't know what I was getting into. First of all, it's gorgeous. Uh, the transfer we got to yeah. watch was very nice. So that is uh, one thing that helps. And yeah, just like this kind of alien inspired, um, you know, space horror thing. It's not something people identify a ton with for anime. Um, it's it's not that there isn't a lot of that. There's like plenty of it. We've covered it on this podcast, but it's it's not part of, you know, it's not Dragon Ball Z is what I'm saying. <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. It's uh, I liked it, though. I don't know. I liked uh, I liked watching something different because you are right that most of the stuff I've watched is like not similar, but like, ha- you know, a lot of the Ghibli stuff has like a similar feel uh and and avatar you know it's it's all similar in that world whereas this is definitely something different and something new let's get into stink bomb because yeah stink bomb is completely different from this and and i enjoyed this mm-hmm. far more than i expected to and i think it's also yeah. based on the fact that we were watching this in 2022 i looked at earlier reviews of this um when it was yeah. like when it was like released in 2001 and some american critics got to see it and you know the view the view was that magnetic rose was by far the best one and at the very least, yeah. I felt like they they were on equal footing in their own ways. I agree. I agree with that. This uh, short stink bomb is about a little bit of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's winter and our lead character, uh, Nobuo Tanaka, is getting a flu shot. In my notes, I'm like, OK, he's masked up. That is good. Good, good <laughs> Tanaka wearing a mask. And then he goes unmasked in his workplace, with ha- which happens to be a bio lab, which is not good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there. You know, when you watch this kind of stuff uh, post-COVID, it's, again, I haven't seen, like, the movie Outbreak since I was, like, 13 or some shit. But uh, even something like Station Eleven, which was a fantastic show. But, again, that that was written prior to the pandemic. I think they probably shot it around-ish or whatever. But, yeah, when you you see pandemic stuff now, it has a very different feel. I mean, listen, you're talking to someone who watched Outbreak, Station Eleven, Contagion, all of these during COVID, uh, which was probably not the best move. Um, but, it, uh, you know, I just wanted to feel like someone else was going through the things that we were going through. Yeah. And this one, this one's more fun than those. But it also has a higher body count. That's the funny thing, too. Because <laughs> uh, the, bo- well, the body makes it fun. The body count is insane. So yeah, uh, Tanaka, he goes on mass in his workplace, which happens to be a lab. His coworkers tell him to get the blue capsules in the red bottle, but uh, mm-hmm. Tanaka being, you know, under the weather, he picks up the red capsules in the blue bottle and it does not go well. So we see some women, they smell uh, what they think is perfume. And then the chief, who is a short bearded man, freaks the fuck out. And he said that medicine yeah. wasn't made for fevers. And when no- <laughs> Nobuo wakes up from his nap, he finds that all his coworkers are dead. Nobuo is just such a hapless dude because throughout this whole thing, he really doesn't know what's going on and just death comes mm-hmm. everywhere to him. Um, so in his dying moments, the chief turned off the biocon alarm, which that also seems like a bad thing. I don't know about you, yeah. chief, but maybe you sh- should have kept it on. Just leave it on. Who's it hurting? Uh, so as Tanaka is investigating, a video screen pops up and an authority figure named Koichi Mirasaki, who's director of research and development, speaks to Tanaka and he said, as far as it's known, he is he does not work for Nishihashi Pharma, 
And this project was developed with the Ministry of Defense, so it has to be kept on the down low, yeah. which does not happen. <laughs> no, uh, very quickly. Very quickly, yeah. that does not happen. Not at all. So Tanaka, he's rushing on his bicycle, and he falls into a field and finds it blooming, despite it being winter. And also, all the animals are dead. And even the ambulance workers he called in are also dead. Poor guy. Uh, then we see the highway. It's filled with stopped cars. And those drivers are also presumably dead, too. We see, like, one news reporter. He's saying, I'm wearing a gas mask, but it isn't actually minimizing the smell that well. The incompetency of everyone involved in this is just so goddamn hilarious. Uh, but it does make you think back to those days a couple of years ago. Oh, well, <laughs> where like, you could even... say basically... Basically the same thing about a lot of us, you know? Even now, I mean, um, are you're based in L.A. Yeah. Aren't, aren't the numbers rising there? I've, I'm in Vancouver, so the numbers I, have, I, like, risen. They, We're not going... I was sick. Yeah, I was sick this whole week. I just tested negative today for the first time. So I would, uh, I would think that, yes, it is probably not going great right now here. As of this podcast recording, I still haven't gotten it. Um, so I've been lucky. Very lucky. Yeah, you're lucky. Time was not as bad. I had it in April, uh, and oh, it's crazy because I've been, I've been very careful. Like I'm, I'm, you know, diabetic and stuff. So I've been playing oh, it very okay. safe, and somehow I've ended up with it twice. Uh, but this time was much less uh, uh, frustrating than the last one was. Okay, yeah, that's that's why you gotta get boosted, folks. That's your PSA to get boosted. Well, get them all. I know my. Uh, I've got a couple cousins who have now gone it twice, and you know, even even cousins who like when the pandemic first started, they're like, "Hey, I'm not gonna. I don't want to, you know, uh, go to the bar with you. I'm worried about the virus." And then I'm like, "Okay, whatever." Yeah. But then like, I'm the guy yeah. who's like getting boosted four times, but I'm just like being more lax about it as a result. For but, sure, you know, I get it. But uh, it I still happens. haven't gotten it. It happens. I mean, I think it's like also partly body chemistry. Some people are more vulnerable, obviously. Um, but, uh, what is this? Tanaka, he is found by the press copter waving a white flag. And then, uh, one of the members of the press who's like in this helicopter, he says, uh, we shouldn't go after him. But then one guy says, but it's a person and think of the ratings and, uh, <laughs> oh, the media. Of course, that guy dies immediately. The well-meaning reporter yeah. dies instantly when encountering Tanaka. And we also learn from the military. So we have the military of uh like all the generals of japan and also the americans because uh you know your home country uh patrick they aren't portrayed so nicely in this short uh and you know what i get it i understand i agree they did the right thing and uh yeah i appreciate them treating them like that i love it i you know i don't want to use the word foreign media of course it's you know me media yeah. produced in japan but whenever you see uh media from other countries and people are like why are the americans portrayed so badly or like uh oh. i haven't seen rrr yet but i know some people complain yeah. about how the british are portrayed i'm like well yeah. you do know famously <laughs> <They> didn't... <laughs> didn't treat them well yeah <laughs> the british who were famously uh british colonialism which was famously uh beloved by all famously all people under good, it good good for everybody no <laughs> question about it i know i still need to see rr but i'm like fuck it's three hours that is um, absolutely the one thing that has been holding me off from it too. I'm sure I'll do it at some point. I'm also, and this is this is related to this movie. Uh, my attention span is so shot, so subtitles are very difficult for me now because I feel like my brain just wanders, and I think that has also been keeping me away from RRR. Yeah, fair enough. And I, I mean, I guess you maybe there's a dub. I watched the Squid Game dub. I didn't think it was as bad as people said, but I I did both because yeah. I watched I watched that show twice. Um, for sure. So. 
So anyways, uh, we learned from the military that the gas is being blown eastward, which happens to be where the defense ministers and pharma execs are. Also in the dub, um, the leading uh, defense minister of Japan is voiced by the same guy who's been the the regular voice of Dr. Eggman in uh, all of Sonic Media. Really funny. He's got such a great voice, uh, so I'm always glad when he does uh, non-Sonic-based media. That's so uh, funny. So Tanaka, he's eating a sandwich as death follows him everywhere, and he kills the soldiers one by one. One soldier finally puts together and tells the audience, if you haven't already picked up on it, that Tanaka is the source of the virus. And the strength of this virus varies based on Tanaka's metabolism and stress. And so they have to calm him down, which unfortunately, the joke of this short is that Tanaka keeps being put into situations that make him more and more stressed. I love this part that comes up. Uh, so the, um, the Japan's general is like, fuck it, let's just kill the guy. And then the American general objects because he's invested a lot of money and it would be a waste of taxes. <laughs> I mean, it feels, feels like real life, doesn't it? It does. The, the fiscally responsible American military general. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I love him so much. I, if there was ever a live action version, you know, I'd, I'd love to see Idris Elba in that. Like Idris Elba just playing a goober yes. like that. So, anyways, we we get this sequence of of uh, attack helicopters trying to kill uh, Tanaka with missiles, and they're all failing. And then hundreds of helicopters are firing missiles at Tanaka, and then even tanks come in, and then uh, even aircraft carriers are doing their part. We see artillery all trying to get Tanaka. And it does, uh, you think about the live action remake of that, and it would feel so insane. Like, you could never, it would have to be, uh, you know, CGI helicopters. You could never do it realistically anymore, because it was just too many helicopters to do it safely. Oh, absolutely. The power of animation is you can do, a, a mil- you know, many things on screen and spend the same amount of yeah. money, basically. Yeah, uh, yeah. I love that the, when the tanks come at him, they get jammed in traffic and they blow themselves up. The, the military, they're, they're firing their missiles wildly, and all they're doing is just destroying a town instead of hitting Tanaka. Very realistic. We're, we're going to, you know... Uh, oh my god, I was going to make a terrible joke about drone strikes. Uh, uh, I think we all, we all got there, you know? Yeah, we all... exactly, man. But it definitely, uh, you know, fuck it. You, you think about some, you know, them trying to track someone down, and they end up taking out a wedding or something. Like, that, that's yeah. the type of shit you're getting here. Um, yeah. <laughs> So the American generals, they have a plan to involve NASA suits uh, that are built to take down Tanaka, which are like these big uh, spacesuits, and they're, they're stink-proof, and they'll be able to take Tanaka down in a nice civil way, and then the NASA soldiers confront Tanaka, and guess what? Just makes him freak out, and we get this, like, mm-hmm. we get an explosion that, to me at least, reminded me of something I have Akira. It's like a psychic, you know, multicolor mm. explosion. Mm-hmm. It looks like uh, the NASA soldiers are are down for the count, but then it cuts to them uh, seemingly putting him in some sort of casket or coffin. It looks like the job is done, and then, you know, the generals are all happy, day is saved, and then one of the spacesuit soldiers comes in, hands the, uh, the uh, Japanese general a briefcase, and Tanaka takes off his helmet, revealing him to be in the spacesuit. Everyone is fucking dead. The end. This was delightful. A great way to end it. It it's, was delightful. Yeah, it's... It, um, uh, no, I was going to agree. Uh, did you know that it was based on a true-ish story? 
Yeah, I, I read that story and then I became very sad because that story ends uh, much more tragically. I did not read the ending, but uh, oh, I believe yeah, it. it's Yeah, it's about like a real person named Gloria Ramirez. Um, she basically had like cancer and uh, she was referred to as like the toxic woman. Uh, in this version of the story, Gloria Ramirez uh, simply died. But then like there was something to do with they never even uh, found what was wrong with her. Like it's still being investigated, which is pretty crazy since it happened in 1994. Uh, several hospital workers became ill after exposure to her body and blood. Uh, she was suffering from late stage cervical cancer, ended up dying, but just so- something happened. And yeah, a bunch of uh, workers got sick. Thankfully, they didn't die. But yeah, it's yeah. uh pretty, pretty wild story that that could actually happen. And of course, you know, you and me were just enjoying it because it's it's unintentionally riffing on COVID policy somehow. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, if she had been shot at by a bunch of military <laughs> helicopters, it would have been a much more fun story. Uh, but it's it's not. It's no, not. she she simply was a very sick woman who who died. Yeah. So, yeah, yes, that's. Yeah. But yeah, that is what it was based off of. And somehow they made a very funny uh, animated short based off of it. Yeah, Cannon Fodder, which is also the Cannon Fodder uh, of this uh, <laughs> short film anthology. Yeah, I don't know what, what to say about it. It takes place in this like kind of fascist m- military state. I think the artwork's fantastic. Like it is visually yeah. interesting. It looks different from the other two, which I appreciated. You know what I mean? Like the, the character design was different. The... You know, the the background painting looked different from the other ones. Like, it all just looked like you're in a different uh, environment, and you could tell that it was not the same as the other two. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think necessarily you would identify the style as, like, Japanese or whatever. It's more inspired by, yeah. like, that kind of Soviet-era, you know, portraits or whatever. Like, it's an interest. Sure. It's visually interesting. The problem is, it's obviously commenting on fascism, and, you know, we're, uh-huh. there's just not, like, a lot... To it, I was expecting there to be yeah. some sort of gag or some sort of point, and you know, we we do see a small child who's like, um, you saluting that uh, military general at the very beginning. I'm like, okay, cool. Is this going to be about him being desensitized by the war or whatever? It just it doesn't take it far enough. That's sure. kind of how I felt. And the ending, the ending is tragic. The ending is a bit of a button. Um, there's a blue light that sweeps across the window as uh, we, we see on the news that apparently, you know, the the war has been won. They've defeated the enemy. And then this blue light, which which uh, I learned means uh, the nuclear weapon light. That's basically the light that plays uh, oh, cool. when uh, nations are being attacked by nuclear weapons. Why don't why don't we know that? Like, shouldn't we? Yeah, know that is that something that, is that we thing? should all know. Yeah, if you're just like, oh, cool, look, a blue light. Like, I feel like it would be more helpful if they actually told us that. I wonder if that is still the case. I don't know. I, I suppose in a fascist state like that, they also probably have lights like that everywhere, too. So, uh, you know, there's no lights like that around my place. I live in the suburbs. It's not like there's it's not like there's like a bunch of like blue lights. OK, you better better go check to see if the blue light has gone off. Uh, now, here's what I'll say. Maybe you don't know just because don't one know. hasn't gone off. So you're not sure. Someday now you're going to see it and you're going to be like, oh, I know what this means. Oh, wait. And then obviously that's that'll be it, probably. All right. I think that's it. Yeah, we, we don't have a lot to talk about cannon fodder. I mean, I like cannon. That's like my, my my one last thought. The giant red cannon is awesome. And I like how it's pulled by a ripcord. That was unique. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of not a lot of cannons in modern civilization. No, I, I guess uh, we don't really use them because they're slow and unwieldy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's kind of a bummer, uh, though. Cannons are fun. I do like how the shells, though, are like car-sized. 
it's not a bad short per se. It's just a very visual one. And there's just, you're just kind of wishing there was more to it. For sure. You get to the end. After the other two, they, they were so big and so, you know, uh, they felt like they were actually doing something. And then you got to the end of this one. You're like, oh. Right. I guess they, that's it, you know. And they felt complete too. Like even though they're only like forty minutes, like I felt like the story was told. I I'm not yeah. left wanting more with Magnetic Rose or um, Stink Bomb. Yeah. They're both like perfect yeah. for their length. Uh, any more thoughts, uh, Patrick? Before we move on? No, I mean I enjoyed it. I'm happy I watched it. I don't. It would not have been something that I would have watched on my own. So I'm always glad to get you know exposed to new uh, new things. So I appreciate you picking this. Let's get to our favorite segment then. This is the big one. Who is the yeah. speed wagon? Who is the speed wagon of memories? Uh, cue the music. Speed wagon, 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 Allow me to elucidate ya. The name is Robert EO Speedwagon. So for those just joining in, the Speedwagon is our favorite supporting character of this batch of shorts. Uh, you, Patrick, again, you're, you're new to the show. The Speedwagon is named after one of the greatest anime characters of all time, Robert E.O. Speedwagon. Uh, uh, from the anime JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which, oh my god. I, I can't recommend JoJo enough. I'm not sure you'd enjoy it, but it's a trip. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I know JoJo. I don't think I've heard of JoJo. Jojo is like, I mean, you're familiar with Dragon Ball, right? Everyone knows Dragon yes. Ball. Yes, yes, yes. Jojo is like, what if you take Dragon Ball and uh, dial it up to insanity? So like a lot of the characters are named after uh, musicians, although the American uh -huh. dub has to change it for copyright reasons. You have characters like uh, Robert E.O. Speedwagon, uh, Dio, who's named after Ronnie James Dio. Uh, at some point, right. they just stop giving a shit and they're just like naming it after albums. Like there's like a villain uh -huh. called White Album. It, it gets crazy. I love JoJo so much. But anyways, uh, I will go first with my speed wagon. My speed wagon is uh, the fiscally responsible American general. He's awesome. Yep. Well, maybe he's not awesome per se. I mean, he's probably, you know, <laughs> a bit of a fascist, but he's fiscally responsible. He's, he's <laughs> and he's willing to preserve Tonica's life because, hey, you know, his government spent a lot of money on that bioweapon. So, you know, he yep. doesn't want to be a irresponsible yeah now here's the thing i was gonna pick the japanese general i just okay. liked how angry he got i liked his he was very uh he had a lot of expressions he was really uh uh entertaining in that in that segment no love for miguel i thought miguel would make it uh yeah but he... no, miguel was a miguel was a close number two close number two all right yeah final thoughts on memories um i'll just go while you while you get a moment to think yeah, yeah, I think this is an interesting short collection. I certainly enjoyed uh, Magnetic Rose because, again, as as a big fan of Satoshi Kon, it was nice to see kind of a bonus story from him. They're enjoyable shorts. They don't waste your time. I mean, you know, cannon fodder you can take or leave. There's so much anime. There's so much anime out there. It's impossible to, you know, again, even doing this podcast can be so difficult with finding something to watch that it's nice to just be like, hey, these are a couple short core ideas they're nice, short and sweet, and they don't waste your time. Yeah, I uh, I enjoyed it. Something we didn't talk about that I did really like. I love the music in in all of them. Um, oh, absolutely. A lot of it, a lot of it was like classical music, you know, famous classical music, but it still just like worked so well with it. And having all of the uh, 
um, you know, the stuff from Madam Butterfly and all that. And the first one was just like working really well with the, you know, the vast space exteriors and all that. And I, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I think that was probably my favorite part was the music. No, uh, with their, a lot of these, uh, series and films have fantastic music. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's about it. Um, we've done final thoughts. Uh, Patrick, where can people find you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess for now you can find me on Twitter at Patrick Cotner. Uh, who knows for how long, but, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Cotner. You can also watch George Lucas Talk Show. It's all on YouTube. Uh, Griffin Newman, Connor Ratliff host a show in character as George Lucas and Watto from the Star Wars prequels, and they interview real people as uh, themselves. So we've had like Seth Meyers and Weird Al and uh, Whoopi Goldberg and so many insane people on. It's very silly, very fun. Um, also, if you like improv, I'm producing this show called Untitled Improv Project in Los Angeles. Uh, We have famous people come in and tell stories from their life, and then uh, improvisers do scenes based off of them. You can come see it in person at Dynasty Typewriter, the theater in L.A., or you can stream it from literally anywhere in the world. Uh, So if you go to DynastyTypewriter.com slash Untitled, you can get tickets for that. Fantastic. And yeah, you can, as always, find me at JackIsJack on Instagram, OnlyRealJackM on Twitter. Find the podcast at IsThisAnimePod on Instagram. We're kind of on Twitter, but not really. Instagram is the more fun platform for us. Twitter continually, uh, it's a trip. We never know if Twitter is going to be around for a while. So it's good that you plugged your Instagram because who knows? Yeah, it's very fun how every uh, three or four days, everyone acts like it's the last day on Twitter. And we all say our I love yous and this has been fun. And then we wake up the next morning and it's still there. Uh, It's a really really fun thing that uh, I don't think we'll get used to. Uh, Great. I think that's the end. Uh, Thank you, Patrick, for coming on. Thanks, dude. Thanks for having me.